to say the most famous words in sports is the chairperson of the board of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, Mary Holman George. Gentlemen, start your engines. Engines have fired, another episode of the Upspeed Podcast, ready to go, Tyler Head, Dalton Molinax with you as always, there was so much hype going into this past weekend, for the first time NASCAR was going to race on the Indy Road course, we ditched the Oval, which didn't produce great racing for years and years and years, we know what road courses do as far as the entertainment value goes, and we were treated to such a great race on Sunday afternoon. And then, like, the last seven laps happened, and everything came unwound to the point where, after watching the race on Sunday night, like, my heart really hurt for NASCAR because I feel like Sunday was a great opportunity to accomplish something, and it all fell apart. Yeah, it literally just came crumbling down in the last ten laps. I, I mean, what was, what was a really good first 90% of the race, mm-hmm. you know, just, and all we're going to talk about is what happened in the final 10 laps. Like that's what, that, that's what stinks about, you know, when you have events like this where, you know, there was so much good, but there's just the overlaying just horrendous. Like you said, you know, you said you watched it on delay and you checked the total runtime and it was over four hours and you're just yeah. like, well, dang, something must have really, really went wrong, and it did. I mean, I just it's just – it's part of it, you know, um, but, man, it, it, was, it was rough. And, you know, when you look at some of the other inaugural events we've had last year, NASCAR has made themselves look bad with the way that they've handled things. Race control rise, you have the visibility issues at Bristol, changing rules in the middle of the race. You have the disaster at Coda with not being able to see there. Um, and what happened Sunday at the Indy Road Course, though, wasn't NASCAR's fault. I mean, you can't predict the track falling apart on you, the curb coming up. Um, now, as far as, as far as I understood, they were checking the curb during the cautions because it had moved a little bit, but there was no indication that somebody was going to dig their splitter under the thing and grenade the entire field. So I feel bad for NASCAR because, again, it was out of their control. Now, some of the things they did after this were their fault, obviously, but just, again, you had this perfect setting. Kyle Larson was on his way to win his sixth race of the season. That's a great story in and of itself. Not only his dominance this year, he'd won the Knoxville Nationals the night before. Like, this dude's on another level right now, and it looked like he was well on his way to winning a prestigious race at the Indy Road Course. And then I don't, I don't even know how to describe what happened after that. Yeah, I mean, it just did, like you said, you know, it was, it was setting up to be this, this great storyline if, you know, Larson does it again, and um, then all hell broke loose, and I was going to say NASCAR, once the curve came up, obviously it was mangled and destroyed at that point, NASCAR takes the entire thing out, this turn six, and, you know, which I get, it's not like they have a extra curve on standby then just go out there and bolt down it took gosh over an hour to get the thing removed anyway but they didn't remove the jump that was next to it which and I can understand from the perspective of NASCAR not wanting people to cut the corner for something like that to be there 
Um, there was the one on the outside of that turn that the Xfinity cars were jumping on Saturday. They got removed between um, uh, Saturday night and Sunday morning. Um, but if you're going to remove the entire curb to the point now you've completely changed the track where the drivers have practiced, they've qualified, they've run this entire race, hitting that corner a certain way. Now you don't have the curb there. You had to know leaving that jump curb in there was just going to lead to more disaster. And every single lap they went by after that, in those last couple laps they're running the race, somebody hit it and somebody wrecked. Yeah, every single time by. I mean, and that's just one of those where it's like, you just look at it and you're like, well, what, what were you thinking? You know, why, why would you leave it? And unfortunately they did. And that's just, that's part of that. That's part of it. I guess it doesn't mean you have to like it. That's part of it. Um, I, I just hope this is a learning experience because the indication is that we're going to be going to the road course from here on out in Indianapolis. So, okay. And obviously Roger Penske owns the track now he's an NASCAR owner. Can we make that curve permanent? Can we put gravel next to it so guys aren't cutting it? Like, we can – and I get it. It was designed for IndyCar. It was designed for F1 cars. So, stock cars being on it was kind of a foreign concept. So, you live and you learn. But there's a better way to go about this that I hopefully in a year's time when we go back there to run this race again, they've made vast improvements in that area. Yeah, I hope so. And that's the thing is, like, look, learn from it, move on, and, and be better next year. Yeah. It took out a lot of really good competitive cars. Martin Shrex Jr., um, William Byer, and Joe Logano had a hard hit to the tire barriers. It was slim pickings by the time this wreck was over, but we still had a, several great stories up at the front of the field for those last couple restarts. Denny Hamlin, who had not won a race the entire season, he's now locked in this neck-and-neck -neck battle with Kyle Larson for the regular season championship. Chase Briscoe, Indiana native, led early in the race, had some issues, fell back, got to the front, looking for his first career win, looking for his chance to get into the NASCAR playoffs. Matt DiBenedetto also up there searching for a win to get in the playoffs, also fighting for his life for a ride for next season. So there was a lot going on. And if Chase Briscoe doesn't cut the corner in turn one, I think we have a really compelling last lap. But he, he goes through the grass, doesn't think he has a penalty for some reason, and then even the last lap turns into a disaster, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. It was one of those, you know, we were, before we started recording this, you're talking about how, you know, the, you know, the casual fan was like, would be like, Oh my gosh, he's got a chance to win. But it's like, he never had a chance to win. He's being black flagged anyways. You know, you have to, you have to stop and, and, and you know, kind of complete stop and then go from there. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's unfortunate that it, it come down to, and obviously he went on to, to basically dump Denny, mm -hmm. um, and he said he, you know, Chase said he didn't know that um, he'd had a penalty and it wasn't told to him. But like you said, it was preached to him and that, you know, in, in, in some of the other road courses we go to where you can cut the corners and stuff like that, you know, it's, it's preached to him that, you know, if you cut it, go ahead and, you know, take the penalty because you have to. And he didn't. If there's any defense, and again, Chase Briscoe should have just served the penalty and got it over with. From his perspective, I guess he thought he was forced there by Denny Hamlin, which Denny Hamlin was hit by A.J. Abelendinger, which shoved him up into Chase Briscoe. But if you go back and watch the replay, Denny did not push him all the way into the grass. He pushed him up the track, and Briscoe decided to go through the grass. So at that point, I don't think it's egregious enough to think that, oh, well, Denny Hamlin forced me out here. And again, even, even if that was the case, you're better served to go ahead and serve your stop and go, 
blend back in. You're going to lose some spots. Sure, there could be another caution. You could have another chance at a restart. But what happened is you continued on to the point where you essentially are – they claimed he was parked before the race was even over. So when he's on Denny Hamlin's bumper as they're coming back towards the front straightaway, he's technically running in like 26th place at that point. Yep. Yeah, and then he obviously he dumped Denny and um, – you know, that's huge implications for that 11 team. Sure. You know, I mean, look, we've, we've been talking about the past few weeks how Kyle Larson has closed the gap on the regular season championship point standing. He's now the leader, yeah. you know, and that going from second to – I forget where Denny finished. But, um, I mean, man, it, it, it's tough. And, and like, it, we haven't even talked about the fact A.J. Allmendinger went on to win. Mm-hmm. Colleague had their first win in the Cup Series ever. Yep. And again, it's just, it, it just, you know, you said that it's been a bad year for, for inaugural races in, in NASCAR. It has been. It yeah. really has been. Well, uh, the colleague thing, again, it's, just, it's, it's a great story that comes out of this race, this part-time team that's planning on going full-time in the Cup Series next year, wins a race, the first ever non-charter team to win a race since Chargers have been a thing back in 2016. That's a great story. A.J. Allmendinger getting a chance to win in the cup series again is another great story, but it's all the mess that happened in those last couple laps. That's getting the headlines and not that. Yeah. Yeah. You flip onto any of the, you know, race hub or um, NASCAR America, what that's all they talked about all week long. Yeah. Is the, is the debacle at the end of the race and, and all that. Not even the fact that it was, like I said, the first 90% of the race was, was really solid racing, sure. you know, and that's just, it's unfortunate. It's part of it, but you know, just again, at the end of the day, all that they can do at the track and, and with NASCAR is just learn from it, move on and, and make sure it doesn't happen again. Well, and if there was, if you need more, I guess, unfortunate icing on this cake, the end of the race was moved to NBCSN as well. So if you were a fan casually watching for the first time and you somehow made it through those lat, you know, the hour long caution or whatever it was, then the melee on the restarts, when they changed the channel on you and, you know, put on an amateur golf tournament, which again, I completely understand from NBC's perspective. They had that time slot put aside their sponsors for that golf tournament. I get it. But again, if I'm a casual fan tuning in for the first time and they suddenly change the channel on me and I don't, I probably don't even know where NBCSN is. I'm not going to go searching for it. No. No, you lose viewers at that point in time. So, um, which is bad because, and I, you know, we talk about shorter races. I really like the fact that road courses really fall between that 200 to 250 mile like length, which I think is really good. And again, we can talk about the, the stage cautions and stuff affecting road courses. That's a different conversation. But I like the fact that road courses are these really short sprint races where you have to be up on it and you have to be on your strategy and there's no, there's no hanging around. You just got to go if you want to win the race. And that's a good mm-hmm. you're setting up for Sunday. You had a 200 mile race, 82 laps. Things were going by really quickly on pace to finish at just over two hours. Like that's exactly what you want. And then, you know, everything went sideways after that. Right. Yeah. It's unfortunate, but it's part of it. Yeah. So now we talked about, could we get to 16 winners on the season? Technically, now we have 14 winners. Only 13 of them, of course, are locked in the playoffs because A.J. Allmendinger doesn't run full-time. He's not getting at Cup Series points. So this win means virtually nothing. So you still have three drivers um, uh, above the cut line based on points with Denny Hamlin, who's now second in the season standings, Kevin Harvick, and then Tyler Reddick. And that was another thing that was really interesting about this race on Sunday was you know 
as of right now, the final spot is going to come down to the two RCR cars, Tyler Reck and Austin Dillon. And those guys were matching each other with their strategies. And it came down to both of them at the end of the two stages, trying to maximize their points. Tyler Reddick gets the two uh, stage wins, but Austin Dillon was right behind him in both those instances. So, you know, even for as mundane as stage, stage racing can be at road courses, that was something that was really, really compelling that we got to see on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, it was still so important, and they better be thankful that they both played that strategy because that's it's one thing with road course racing, especially you know now that we're we, I mean we only got Michigan and Daytona left in the regular season. We know the wild card that Daytona is going to be, yeah. um, you know, and, and a lot of times we go to the road courses. You talk about do you stay out and get the points, or do you stay or, or do you come in and. Um, try to set yourself up for the win and and they better be glad that they they did the points because they they both got caused and they both got collected in those late race cautions and it it affected their finishing position so um, yeah it was just a story in of itself and I want to say Reddick's got 20 some odd points on Austin Dillon right now for the cutoff final spot I have that in just a second I meant to look but I forgot he is plus 28 right now. Yeah. Yeah. So a nice little buffer in the final two races. But look, we know what can happen at Daytona. Sure. And sure. we know Austin Dillon can win at Daytona. So, um, but you look at other guys, you know, out just outside, Matt Benedetto. Look what he did last time we were at a, at a big super speedway. He should have won the race. Yeah. So, um, man, it, it, it's shaping up to be a very fun next two weeks. No, it definitely is. And I like, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm glad to be getting back to ovals. I, I'm fine. I like road courses. I enjoy them. But, you know, I think this, this might have been the first time the Cup Series has ever run back-to-back road courses in the regular season. Probably true. It just feels like we've gotten a lot of road courses the past two weeks. So I'm kind of ready to get back to the – normalcy I guess of going to ovals and then yeah there's you know no telling what's going to happen next Saturday night at Daytona again I hate that the tradition of the July Daytona race is gone but I can't think of a better race to end the regular season where you're going to have you know 15 some odd guys that know the only way they're going to be able to get into the playoffs is with a win it's going to be a wild night yeah oh 100 percent um back at the top of the standings though I mean, once again, Kyle Larson just flat dominating. I mean, this dude, and we've talked about it last week, I think, but he never really came in as much of a road course guy. But now that he's in Hendrick equipment, I mean, I think it's fair to say he's been the better road course racer between him and Chase Elliott this year. Which is something nobody expected to say. Nobody. I mean, it's crazy. Um, Which makes you wonder, like, you know, and I know Chase got his two road course wins this year, but I don't think he's going to be able to dominate these road courses as much as we thought he was over these next couple of years no no I mean and sure he's going to get his fair share of wins but Larson you know it's just it's been a it's been a dead gum good season for him I, I mean it's just been um you know we, we talk about putting him in top flight equipment and what he could potentially do and, and he's delivered so um you know we'll see if these next couple of weeks we know he runs well at Michigan yep. um yeah. We'll see if we'll see if he can, um, you know, keep the keep the momentum rolling and, and collect 15 more playoff points to give himself a huge buffer, you know, going into going into the playoffs. Well, as of right now, with the fact that he now currently holds the regular season uh, points lead, if the playoffs were to start today, he would have 
52 playoff points with all of his wins, stage wins, and those 15 bonus points for winning the regular season championship. If he gets one more win either this week or next week at Daytona, he'll have tied Kevin Harvick's mark of from last year going in with 57 playoff points. Um, and obviously, as Kevin Harvick proved last year, no lead is safe when it comes down to making that final four. But, I mean, I, I feel like – I mean, Harvick did, win, Harvick did win some races right there before the playoffs. But, I don't know, I just feel like Larson's momentum going into the playoffs this year is even better than what Harvick had last year. Yeah, I'll agree. I'll agree. And, I, and that's the thing is, like, Larson went on that one stretch, you know, a few weeks back where it was – you know, he dominated every race. He won every race for, what, three or four in a row, something like sure. that. And, um, you know, obviously he's fallen back down to earth. But – he still finished in top five nearly every week. So, um, you know, with, with the potential points that he's going to have going into playoffs, um, you know, you, you mix that in with, with the equipment he's in and the way he's been running, they're all but a shoe in for Phoenix. And, and unless something crazy happens, like last year, you know, we've seen it happen. Sure. You know, he's going to be a guy that's going to be one of the final four drivers competing for championships. Absolutely. Absolutely. Another somebody to keep an eye on, and obviously had a disastrous season last year and only gets the one win at Texas, Kyle Busch has put together an extremely consistent season this year. He's currently sitting third in the standings, which would net him eight playoff points if he finished there at the end of the regular season. And as of right now, he would go into the chase as the number three seed with 22 total playoff points. Like, he's not having the usual Kyle Busch championship caliber type of season we've seen in, the, in years past which makes me think he might jump up there. And, and, and again, once you get out of Phoenix, it's four drivers, winner take all. Like, he might fly under the radar throughout the playoffs and then be there at the championship race in Phoenix. Well, I, I agree. I feel like at any point in time that they can just flip that – they find something. Mm-hmm. That they could just flip that switch and really take it into that championship gear that they – I don't want to say they don't have it now because as long as Kyle Busch is on the track, he's got a chance to win a championship. Um, but, but you look at him right now and I, you know, you think they need to go up another level and I think that they can still do that. We'll make our Michigan picks a little bit later. I have a statistic for Kyle Busch that might actually kind of blow your mind a little bit. Okay. Uh, other racing at the Indy road course over the weekend was the Xfinity series rate, which raced on Saturday. Penske racing ends up getting the Saturday sweep with willpower winning the IndyCar race. And then Austin Sendrick, no surprise there winning at the Indy uh, road course. And, I mean, talk about the perfect place to win for your Penske driver, especially for Austin Sendrick. It's at Indianapolis, owned by Roger Penske. It's now a road course. Like, it checks all the boxes for him. Yeah, it couldn't have been a, it couldn't have been a more storybook day for the Penske team. Like you said, both not only on the IndyCar side, but also in the Xfinity Series. Yeah, and uh, looking at the Xfinity Series playoff standings here, now they still have several more races to go before they get to their playoff cutoff. And I'm waiting for the page to load here. Austin Sendrick firing on all cylinders. The regular season we're in right now, he'd have 48 playoff points, which is 21 points ahead of the second best, which is A.J. Allmendinger. So kind of similar to Kyle Larson of the Cup Series, he has established himself as head and shoulders better than everybody else this year. Yeah. So... Um, they're going to be at Michigan again this weekend, and I think they have is it four or five more races before their playoff cutoff. So plenty of time, but, but um, you know, kind of looking at the playoff board right now, I mean, not a whole lot of different winners. Uh, let's see, we have 
one, two, three, four. I think we talked about this last week. Only five different winners. So, you know, the, the, the quality of what we've seen in the Xfinity series as far as top-to-bottom talent isn't quite where it was in the past couple seasons with guys like Chase Briscoe, you know, Christopher Bell, um, Cole Custer, all those guys being gone now. I mean, I, I can't really think of uh, anybody that maybe all, maybe Allgaier because he's good at Phoenix, but I think this is a Cendrix championship to lose again. Yeah, 100%. I, I mean, because like you said, even Allgaier being good at Phoenix, I mean, okay, he may not make it at Phoenix. It's not like he's just shown out this year. So, I don't know. It, it, the Xfinity Series still to me is just the biggest – I mean, I guess you could say the truck series is even more of a question mark. But, uh, but yeah, it's just there's no clear-cut, you know, somebody's going to battle Senator for the championship right now. Sure. It makes you wonder what's the X-Fantasy series going to look like next year with him going up the Cup Series full-time. Well, if Ty Gibbs is up full-time in the Xfinity series, it may be him. Maybe so. I don't know. But but I, uh, I definitely – so 2019 was my favorite year in the X-Fantasy series just because you had – the great battle between Bell, uh, Custer, and Reddit going on the entire season. And, unfortunately, it's gotten mm-hmm. a little bit worse each season. I still enjoy the x series. I think it's still one of the fun – it's still the funnest series to watch in NASCAR. But, yeah, I really hope we can uh, kind of re-inject it with some good talent top to bottom over these next couple of years. Yeah. Speaking of which, for next season in the x series, we got some news that came out yesterday that Josh Berry is actually going to be going full-time – for JRM in the eight car. Now, of course, he won in uh, in a few limited starts earlier this year by winning at Martinsville. Um, I mean, he's a guy that we know he's a supreme short track talent. He's just never gotten that full-time opportunity in any of NASCAR's top three series. And, I mean, this this is pretty exciting. This is very hopeful for a lot of those guys out there that don't come from a bunch of money, that don't have a ton of sponsors backing them that, hey, Talent can still get you an opportunity in one of these top three series. And Dale Jr. is ready to give him a shot race for a title next year. Yeah, I mean, I was so excited when I read the news that he was going to be back in the car full time because, you know, I, it, it sucks not seeing him in there every week, anyways. Sure. Um, you know, now obviously he's still racing some and, and trying to piece together a schedule as he can. But the fact that he's going to have an entire season next year. Um, like you said, you know, we just said, you know, who's going to be the champion? Why can't it be him? You know, it'll be interesting to see, you know, get more comfortable in the car next year, um, more practices and stuff like that. It, it should be good for him. Obviously, we know he's going to be good equipment. Sure. Well, that also creates a question mark for the JRM lineup now that Josh Gray is going to be there. All guys are not going to go anywhere. We already know Sam Mayer is going to be around. Michael Annette brings a ton of money to the table. I, I doubt he's going to be going anywhere. Seems like, and we've talked about this for a while now, it seems like Gregson probably isn't going to be returning. To me, I think this kind of confirms that. Yeah, and, and he's, you know, he had some media availability this week too, and he was very, like, all he said was no comment. Sure. You know, uh, it, was, it, was, it wasn't, oh, we're working on it. It was just, no, it, it, it's no comment. So, um, yeah, at the end of the day, I mean, that happens. You know, you, you have a mix of, of talent and um you know it's definitely been a disappointing season for Noah um and he can and he can get things turned around here in the next how many race the Xfinity series has left but um you know it's been a disappointing season and I even know like you know sometimes Dell Jr. obviously is a as a analyst but also as to his team owner 
mm-hmm. has been frustrated at times with him. Sure. And and I don't know if that's part of it too, but yeah, he seems like the the, the odd man out going into next year. Well, and I, I was just kind of looking at where he sits currently as far as the playoff goes. He's 150 points above the cut line. Really, it's more than that because for once again this weekend, Michael Annette is not going to be racing for complications due to his leg surgery that he had. Josh Berry is actually going to race his one car. Chase Elliott raced it this past weekend at the road course. So really, like, Gregson's like 200 points above the cut line because the next closest is Brandon Brown. So he's safely in the playoffs this year. But – Again, we've seen in this entire season just kind of drive this win-or-nothing mindset, and I really think from the onset of the season, he probably knew he wasn't going to be back, so he knew he was racing for his job, and that's bit him in the butt more times than not this year. Yeah, it's hurting. It, 100% it's hurting. So it'll be interesting to see how all uh, all that shakes out for next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, of NASCAR news, we've got quite a bit of stuff going on here. Um, this is just kind of the rumor mill here, and there's some stuff where this is being said last week. I feel like this rumor pops up every couple of years when talking about the schedule, the possibility that another race could be run before the Daytona 500 next year. And the idea would be that week off before the Super Bowl between the AFC and NFC championship games and the Super Bowl, there's the off week, which is when the Pro Bowl is played, of course. But there's a possibility that maybe there could be a race run then. We don't know if it's point ra- points race. Maybe they run the clash then. But the idea is out there. It's being talked about. Yeah, I thought this is one of them that comes around every year, and it's just it's to get people talking about the dates on the 500. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the schedule should be released here in the next month or so. Um, you know, I'll believe it when I see it, but I just I do not see I do not see NASCAR as much as the schedule's changed in the past couple of years. I do not see them getting away from Daytona as the first points race of the year. Well, and I don't know – you'd be very limited in the number of places you could go to do this for one. Mm-hmm. So you're not going to go to Michigan. You're not going to go to Pocono because it's very likely still going to be snowing up there at the end of January, beginning of February. So, all right, you could go to Miami. You could go to Texas. Go to Phoenix. I don't know why you'd go to Phoenix. You just ended your season there. Go to Las Vegas. That's, that's kind of it. You have maybe like three tracks to choose from there. Nobody wants to see another race of Texas, so we'll go ahead and cross yeah. that one off there. So I don't like – if this were to happen, I don't know where – I don't know what you would – where you'd come up with this, where you'd be going. Yeah. That's why I think it's just, it's just to get the conversation started. I mean, maybe there really are some conversations about it, but I just don't – I don't see it happening. And we talked about this before we started recording. You know, earlier in the season – and, you know, we, we saw several tracks like Atlanta that were already promoting, oh, you know, same weekends next year, two dates and all this kind of stuff. And it really led to me to believe that the Cup Series schedule probably wasn't going to look all that different for 2022. But now we're almost to September and we still haven't gotten an official schedule release. Now, again, all the states and everything are back open for sporting events and all that stuff. So, you know, that excuse that we had last year of trying to figure those things out, which I understood, isn't really relevant anymore. So I'm beginning to wonder, maybe we do see some changes for next year's schedule. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's probably a reason that they've, they've delayed it. But, you know, we'll just have to wait and see. For sure. Uh, jumping around some more news here. So for this upcoming weekend, and we saw this the first time at Nashville, uh, it seems like NASCAR's really soured on PJ1, sticky substance, whatever you want to call it. We didn't see it at New Hampshire. Produced a really great race there. It looks like NASCAR is going to be using the resin substance that they used in Nashville that ended up working really, really well. It seemed like the car, it re, the cars were able to react to it a lot better and actually get that extra groove 
that they were trying to accomplish. Can be used at Michigan this weekend. Michigan with the 550 package has turned into a one groove racetrack. Hopefully it opens up that second groove. We can get some compelling racing, but I like the fact that NASCAR is trying something different for one of these tracks. Yeah. I mean, yeah, try something different. If it works, you know, we were talking about with the Indy road course, if it works, then great. If not, try something else, you know, the way, you know, it's just, you know, trial by error and, and go from there. NASCAR also announced the other day that they have updated their COVID protocols as well to, so a couple weeks ago, it was mandated that any indoor, whether it be in team haulers, the media center, whatever, everybody needs to be wearing masks. They've now updated that to where fans are not allowed on the pits anymore. So basically revoking uh, hot passes again, um, any indoor interactions with drivers and stuff like that have to be a mask. You know, if you're a media member on pit road, talking to a driver, you got to wear a mask. Like, it's not to the strict levels that it was at the beginning of the season, but we've crept back in that direction. But I feel like this is damage control for the playoffs because yes. we know if you test positive, we saw some drivers earlier this season, test positive, we got to sit out a race. NASCAR does not want any of their playoff drivers having to miss playoff races. So I think this is kind of protecting drivers from themselves, you know, because if the fans are on pit road, they're going to sign autographs. They're going to take pictures. They're going to be up close with them. You prevent fans from being on pit road, you lower that risk. And I feel like that's the move that NASCAR is making here to make sure none of its stars are going to be missing these 10 important races to close out the season. Yep. I think it's a smart decision. I have no issues with it. So um, I, I hate that everything seems to be trending back in these kind of directions and hopefully next season we don't have to deal with this anymore but um i don't know again i think it's more damage control than anything else and i'm interested to see and i've heard some people talking about this too like is is rick hendrick gonna crack down on kyle larson running dirt races once the playoffs start because again he just ran the knoxville nationals on saturday night so he's around people there and doing all that stuff we know he runs two or three dirt races a week once we get to darlington though i mean do you think rick hendrick says hey at least for these 10 weeks just focus on nascar Stay at home, go to the racetrack, that's it. He may, but I also think Larson knows how good of an opportunity he has. Sure. So he may himself. He may be like, you know what, I'm just going to try to, you know, I'm going to live in a bubble for the next 10 weeks because I don't want to, you know, I don't want to miss a race and, and you know, potentially lose, you know, the bonus that I've been working with. So I, I could definitely see that. Sure. Um, so we'll see what happens there. We do have all three series in action this weekend. The truck's going to be at Worldwide Technology Raceway at Gateway on Friday night in uh, conjunction with IndyCar Racing there on Saturday night. I said this earlier, I really hate that the truck race, truck series is not racing at Michigan anymore because that was always a really fun truck series race. Kind of sad to see that go, but I really love Gateway. I think this is going to be a really fun race on Friday night. Yeah, yeah, I, it's Gateway's a good track, and and, you know, I love the – I love the NASCAR IndyCar doubleheaders, even if it is just the the trucks and IndyCar. This past weekend was awesome um, with with the Cup Series, Xfinity Series, and IndyCar all in the same place. But um, but yeah, I mean, I, it'll be interesting to see. You know, last year they ran it during the day. Um, Sheldon Creed went on to win, and I'm going to throw my pick out there. I'm going to go with him to repeat. Um, I think that he needs to get off on the right foot in the playoffs. Mm. Um, and I think be able to get it done. Uh, before I make my pick, that's an interesting point that you brought up because, of course, the Cup Series and the uh, IndyCar were in 
full companion mode this past weekend. Now, I know last year IndyCar ran the day before the Brickyard 400, but this is the first time that the Cup Series and IndyCar ran the same track on the same weekend. And, you know, we talk about now not running the Indy Oval anymore for NASCAR and the prestige, you know, the Indy Road Course is not a crown jewel event, in my opinion. I don't think it's ever going to be. But if it could be the one time a year where NASCAR and IndyCar run a companion weekend like this, that to me can separate it from other races a little bit. Again, it's not going to be a crown jewel. It's mm-hmm. not going to be thought of as one of the four biggest races of the entire season. But I hope they continue to do this companion weekend going forward because that can make it really special. And hopefully in years to come, we see drivers doing crossovers, running both races or something like that. I think that'd be pretty neat. Yeah, I want to see crossovers. That's what I want. I want to see drivers doing both. Speaking of which, Jimmy left the door open to possibly running some NASCAR stuff again. Yeah, I I, I have mixed emotions on that. Um, I don't know. I, I We can save that for another episode, but well, his, I have mixed emotions on it. His direct line to doing that is now being sold, so Chip Ganassi not going to be a NASCAR anymore. Um, I don't know what the partnership between them and Trackhouse is going to be going forward. So if Jimmy came back and ran NASCAR, would he have to run like the Spire 77 car or something? I don't know. You know, who knows? You would hope not. I mean, it would end up being like a Hendrick prepared car or something like that. It'd be really odd to see Jimmy not in the 48 car. Yeah. That's one reason why, because like as much as I enjoyed seeing Gordon come out of retirement to run for Dale Jr., like the the fact that his last race was in the 88 makes my head hurt. I'm not even gonna lie. Well, and I also hate the fact that, and again, huge Jeff Gordon fan growing up, the fact that he started every race from November of 1992 all the way to November of 2015 in the same car number driving for the same team. And I was cool with him leaving it that way. And yeah, it was cool to see him come back, but it's just like, this side note in his history as an NASCAR driver, like, oh, yeah, he ran, like, eight races in the 88 car in 2016. Yeah. It's like in baseball terms, obviously, we're both Atlanta Braves fans. Like, anytime, like, I see that, that John, if I remember John Smoltz played for the Cardinals and the Red Sox, my head's like, seriously? Yeah. You win, but, you know, it's just, you know, he's like for your guy to, to play for your team, you know, and, and that doesn't always work out. But um, when it does, it, it's nice. So. Absolutely. Anyways, back to the Truck Series race at Gateway. John Hernemachek's won here before in 2017. Um, we've been running such different types of races in the Truck Series the past couple of races at Watkins Glen and then at um, Knoxville, obviously a dirt race. So we're kind of getting back to the normalcy as far as racetracks go. Who's been good at all racetracks this year? John Hernemachek. Yeah. To the Xfinity yeah. on Saturday, 250 miles at Michigan. And again, we don't really have anything to judge this off of because we didn't run California. We didn't have another Michigan race earlier this year. So a lot of unknowns going unknown. for the Cup in the Xfinity Series. But who gets it done at Michigan? He's finally going to get that first win. Don't it's Daniel Hemrick's time to shine. Don't so, I don't know. He's just – He's in, he, he, he's in. He's in. Arguably the best equipment in the field. Um, he's got to get it done at some point in time. I, I would love to see it happen before the playoffs. So going into the playoffs, we don't have to hear about. Well, he's never won before. Um, so I, I, I'm going to pick Hemrick to win this weekend. I'll roll with the momentum and I'll go with Austin Cindric again. Now this was a track that was actually designed by Roger Penske when it was built back in the '60s, I believe. So it'll be a pretty interesting backup 
winning in a track that he owns to a track that he has designed. Yeah. Uh, to the Cup Series we go, and oh, I mentioned to you, I wanted to bring out an interesting statistic, so I will do that while you are making your pick for Sunday's 400 miler at Michigan. All right. Well, I, I've liked I've liked the way this guy and, and his team in particular have been trending in the past several weeks, um, and he's had success at Michigan in the past, as, soon as, as, as recently as last year. I'm going to go with Kevin Harvick. I, I think that they finally – get that first win of the season, um, you know, get a little momentum going into the playoffs and, um, and kind of, you know, just figure out where we go from there. It's, so we're all Harvard. it's interesting to me if this resin can truly produce another groove, if Michigan can kind of race super speedway-like. Mm -hmm. I think that was the intention with, like, 550 when they went to Michigan the first time. And we kind of saw that that first time in 2019 because it was cooler conditions because it was overcast and it had rained. But if we can truly get a second group going, we might actually kind of see the pack racing that we thought we were going to see a couple years ago. Mm -hmm. So the easy pick here would be to go with the guy that used to be called Two Mile Kyle, Kyle Larson, who won four straight uh, two-mile races between 2016 and 2017. But I'm not going to do that. So we have had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. We've had eight 550 races this season. The last one was in Atlanta. How many top five finishes do you think Kyle Busch has in 550 races this year? And eight of them. Seven. You are correct. Seven top five finishes in 550 races. I wow. saw that stat this morning and I was pretty surprised by it. But again, been flying under the radar, not really having a Kyle Busch dominant S season, but he's been right there every single time. And like at Pocono, one person slips up, Kyle Larson blows a tire and hits the wall. Although Alex Bowman won that race, but the strategy ends up getting crazy thin. Boom, Byron has to pit. Boom, Kyle Busch wins the race. Kyle Larson mm -hmm. you know, gets shuffled back on some restarts at Kansas. Boom, Kyle Busch wins the race. So. I don't know, and it feels like Joe Gibbs Racing has trended in the right direction. They found some speed. Now, again, we haven't been to a 550 race since Atlanta over a month ago. But, again, Kyle Busch may have had a better car than Kurt Busch, I think. Kurt Busch gets the better of him at the end of the race. But Kyle had speed like we haven't seen this season. So, I'm going to roll with Kyle, yeah. Busch, Kyle Busch. Yeah, yeah I like the pick. So, again, I'm, I don't know. I'm, I'm oddly glad we're getting back to Hobles this weekend. I've kind of missed it. Yeah. Yeah, it just it felt like with the Olympic break and then coming out with, with road courses, it just feels like we need to get back, you know, kind of the bread and butter of NASCAR. Absolutely. We'll be back next week to break it down and preview the regular season finale coming up at Daytona. Mm -hmm. Dalton Mullinax, I'm Tyler Head. Thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you next time.